What's going down, everybody? Lalo, THR here. I hope everybody is doing fantastic. We got a huge episode going right now. I'm going to talk about AEW Dynamite that popped off last Wednesday, as well as last night's edition of AEW Rampage, where we finally got some news on the Owen Hart Cup tournament which i am absolutely stoked for i cannot wait for that um basically the bunny is going to take on a mystery opponent to determine uh who qualifies first into this great tournament um and we'll get more on that later uh but first before i begin the festivities of the days i would be remiss if i did not pay a little tribute to triple h as he officially retires from in-ring work. Triple H was on the Stephen A. Smith show where he revealed that he had a life-threatening heart condition following a bout with viral pneumonia. Uh, and it is confirmed, he confirmed, that he is now living with a defibrillator in his chest. Um, which pretty much, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of guys say they're going to retire, um, but we've seen it time and again, Brian Danielson, Edge, um, CM Punk, um, and so on and so on, you know, who claim they're going to retire or forced to retire, whatever the circumstance may be, and they end up coming back. But given the defibrillator, uh, in Triple H's chest, I don't think, yeah, there's there's not a chance in hell now that Triple H will ever come back, not even for a one-off in the ring. I wouldn't want to see it. Um, he did confirm that he actually had a match slated for WrestleMania 38. And of course, after the health issues, that was scrapped entirely, and rightfully so. You know, Triple H, man, he's had a long, illustrious iconic career i was gonna say legendary but really triple h's career is pretty iconic i mean this this is a guy who went from the ring name Terra rising i believe in uh wcw i believe um to going as uh uh, I, I don't know if he used his real name at the time, Paul Levesque, where he was like a blue blood. He was playing like this rich, bougie, high class, upper society type of character. Coming out with a little pimp cane and a suit. Uh, looked like a, like a gentleman from the 1800s. <laughs> something, like, something like that. Um, I remember that only vaguely. I've just seen clips of that. I was very young at that time. I was a WCW guy too. Yeah, Triple H, man, he um he was like a jobber early in his career. Then he be he hooked up with the Click, now infamously known as the Click. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Waltman. Those were his 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 road dog, right? His road dogs. That was the dog pound for Triple H. Those were his buddies. Uh, the famous curtain call incident which Triple H pretty much took all the heat for when all of him and his friends, they hugged after a match, which at that particular point in time was uh, like a blasphemy. You know, it was uh, an, an outrage. You know, they were, quote unquote, killing the business uh, for revealing to the audience that their perceived hate for one another is completely false. And they're actually good friends um, as 
Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were departing from the company. Triple H was supposed to receive the push of a lifetime, and that was uh, halted after that, um, which actually led to Stone Cold being the guy to win the King of the Ring tournament. That might surprise some people to find out that Triple H was actually slated to win that. But because of that curtain call incident, it would be Stone Cold who would famously go on to win the tournament and and give that infamous speech, right? That promo at the end, which really started it all, right? That uh, John 316, uh, Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. You know what I'm saying? And you've seen, uh, uh, what, what's his name? The guy interviewing him, man, I forgot his name already. But you've seen him, you know, with that look on his face. He was shook. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was shook. And um, yeah, man, um, Triple H... Uh, he would recover from this as he went on and did did it big. He worked his way back up because Triple H has always been a student of the game. Um, and that's where his whole character comes from because he's always been acknowledged even before he became a somebody. He was always acknowledged as a true student of the game. And then Triple H, he went from being the student of the game to becoming the game itself. And that's a badass character arc if I ever saw one. So we get to the late 90s and uh, Triple H, I'll never forget his feud with uh, Cactus Jack, man. Mankind. I remember, I do remember that as a kid. I remember their Hell in a Cell match vaguely, but I do. Um, I just remember Triple H beating the brakes off of Mankind, <laughs> off of Mick Foley. <laughs> I think they had a street fight at the Royal Rumble and... And I remember playing through that, too, on the video game, WWF No Mercy, arguably the greatest wrestling game of all time. So I have a lot of memories there tied to that. And then, of course, the McMahon-Helmsley era would kick off after the crazy storyline of Triple H uh, intoxicating Stephanie McMahon and, and forcing her to marry him. <laughs> It was a different time, y'all. <laughs> it was a different time. Let's... Needless to say, WWE has changed drastically uh, since those days. But yeah, uh, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, they were a real item in real life. They were a real couple, a real item in real life. Um, and they took their relationship to the, to the TV. And they became an on-screen couple. And thus, the McMahon-Helmsley era began. Um, and where Triple H would start to show shades of his greatness. Um, as one of the best heels to ever do it in the game. I know Triple H, uh, he's bounced around from baby to heel to back to baby, back to heel. But nobody does it better as far as heels go, man. He, he, Triple H is the ultimate bad guy that you love to hate. Um, just because he just, he has that look, you know, he has that face that makes you go, man, I don't like that fucking guy, man. There's something about him. He look at him. He's big. He's shredded. He's, he's stacked. Um, and he's holding the title belt hostage every week. He married into the billionaire family. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and let's talk about that. That's something a lot of people use that to discredit Triple H. Oh, he married Stephanie McMahon. He married the boss's daughter. And that's why he accomplished everything he accomplished. Like, bro, bro, Stephanie McMahon is irrelevant to Triple H's co-career, bro. If Stephanie McMahon never existed, I promise you Triple H would still be what we know him to be today. Honestly. Um, 
I, I surmise to believe that uh, he'd probably be farther. Um, <laughs> if Stephanie Mc, no, real talk because I, I don't know, man. Um, you could consider Stephanie McMahon a hindrance at times. I mean, the whole authority angle was terrible. You know, that was go-away heat. That wasn't genuine heel heat when Triple H and Stephanie McMahon were, were prancing around together, um, interrupting matches and coming out and, you know, laying down the law. That was a that was a hindrance to Triple H's career. It really left a sour taste in people's mouths. That was not genuine heel heat. That was go-away heat. You know what I mean? Um, I, I surmise to believe, honestly, that even, if, if Stephanie McMahon never existed... Um, Triple H would probably be even further along than where he's at right now. But that's just me. That, that's just me. And Triple H, uh, he didn't have a perfect career because nobody does. You know what I mean? No matter what endeavor that you partake in, whether you're an athlete, whether you're an actor, whether you're a race car driver, I don't care what it is. Nobody's going to have a perfect career. Something's going to go wrong. There's going to be those blemishes on the record right no one's batting average is gonna be a hundred we've seen many examples one example i like to use is uh michael jordan michael jordan seemingly had a flawless career right well guess what no he didn't <laughs> because michael jordan for whatever reason just because he can he abandoned his iconic amazing flawless basketball career just to play baseball for a little while <laughs> because that's how badass michael jordan is he's like man I, you know what i feel like playing baseball i'm a, i'm a i'm gonna put a stop to this for a little bit and go play baseball for a little while michael jordan goes and plays baseball and he falls flat on his face right so the point is everybody has those hiccups in their career and triple h he's had quite a few you know what i mean uh, the reign of terror in the 2000s with the big gold belt that is uh seldom ever praised certainly i i know um i don't know man i have mixed feelings about the reign of terror everybody shits on it but at the same time i do kind of feel like it led to some prestige in that title but at the same time it was just so boring seeing the same outcome all the time then you had the Katie Vick stuff. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into detail about that. That is a huge uh, a misfire in Triple H's career. But the main reason I'm bringing this up is because the one thing I do want to say is that Triple H not putting over Booker T at WrestleMania 19. Yeah, that's right. I'm going there. <laughs> I'm going there. All due respect to Triple H. I'm glad that he's in good health. Um, I and I hope that his good health continues. I'm gonna pray for him, quite literally. But him not putting over Booker T at WrestleMania 19 to this very day um, is not only a blemish on Triple H's career. That is a blemish on the history of the WWE entirely. I'm gonna put it like that because um, just the implications of the storylines at that time. It was a very different time. Needless to say. I don't need to point out the obvious, even though I am. <laughs> but WWE was a very, very different type of animal at that point in time. And when you had Triple H telling Booker T, people like you don't get to be champion. And telling him to dance for him. Dance for me, Booker. 
you know, and then and then still going over at WrestleMania 19. That is that is a a, a black eye, if you will. That's the proverbial black eye on the whole business, bro. Honestly, for me, for me personally, I mean, just as a fan watching, to me that is a. Uh, and Booker T himself, he won't he won't ever uh, talk bad about it. You know, he's like, hey, I got paid, and that and that's fine, good for him. But it, for me as a fan. As a fan who is passionate about this business, who's passionate about these guys and what they do and the stories they tell, um, that is the ultimate black eye on the whole industry for me, honestly. And, and you know, you could say like, oh, I, I have some friends, you know, who, who, oh, well, it wasn't Triple H's decision. That was Vince McMahon's call. You know what I mean? It's not his fault. He's just, he's just doing his job. Like, nah, 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 nah. Don't give me that. Because... Let's fast forward to, like, uh, a few years later, WrestleMania 21, Undertaker versus Randy Orton. Now, here's a fun fact that a lot of people probably don't know. Randy Orton was originally supposed to be the guy to end the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. How do you like them apples? (laughs) Long before Brock Lesnar. Randy Orton was originally slated to be the guy to end the streak. This was during a time when Randy Orton, he wasn't even a made man yet. He was doing his legend killer gimmick where they were giving him a push of the of a lifetime. They had him beat the brakes off of Mick Foley. Okay, <laughs> okay poor Mick Foley. <laughs> poor Mick, man, always getting his ass whooped. But uh, they had Randy Orton doing this legend killer gimmick. And he had beat the brakes off of Mick Foley. I think he beat the brakes off of Terry Funk or something like that. And he was going after Undertaker in his streak. They greenlit Randy Orton to beat Undertaker for his streak. Google it. Google it. If y'all don't believe me, you could Google it. I'm sure the, the, the Smarks listening already know. But Google it. Randy Orton, Undertaker, WrestleMania streak. Google it. Randy Orton was supposed to win that. You know what I mean? And guess what? Randy Orton said, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not worthy. I don't feel comfortable going over Undertaker at WrestleMania 21. It's not happening. I'm not gonna do it. And that was that. Now, you cannot sit there and tell me that Randy Orton, who was a a wet-behind-the-ear, snot-nosed kid still at this point in time, still as green as grass... He had no power whatsoever at this point in time. You can't tell me that he could tell Creative or Vince or Bruce Pritchard, whoever the hell. He could tell them, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to go overtaker. I refuse to do it. And they say, well, fuck, okay. It's not our hill to die on. Okay, Randy, Taker's going to go over. He's going to keep his streak. But yet Triple H couldn't tell Vince McMahon, you know what? Nah, man, I, I, I I can't go over Booker T. This is his moment, man. After these way out of out of line foul storylines, I refuse to lose to Booker T. I refuse. I can't do it. I, I mean, I'll fucking go out the ring and let the ref count me out if I have to. I am not going to go over Booker T. You cannot tell me that Triple H didn't have that kind of power because he absolutely did. Absolutely did. So, I mean, hey, man, you know what I mean? Sour grapes, um, water under the bridge. I, I don't know, man. That's just, me, that's just me pointing out one of the blemishes of this great 
wrestler's career. Um, and that's something that I'll never forget. I just got to say it. But um, beyond that, I mean, you know, to me, that's a bigger mishap than the Katie Vick stuff, man. It really is. The Katie Vick and the authority and, and all that. But, um, but beyond that, man, Triple H... Let's talk about some positives, man. I mean, what else is there to say? Triple H has always had the uh, spectacular entrances, man. I mean, all his WrestleMania entrances um, later on when he started doing the, I guess, like the Conan, the Barbarian, Conan the Destroyer type of entrances. And then he, I mean, his theme music has always been on point. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm talking even before he got his Motorhead theme which is easily one of the greatest theme songs ever in the history of pro wrestling it's so memorable it's so catchy and memorable but even before that i feel like his theme song before that is kind of underrated as well um triple h he just had that swagger man he always had the great theme music the great ring walk the presence the presentation um you know he can look you know he can burn a hole into your soul just looking at you. You know what I mean? Through the camera. I can only imagine experiencing it live. Like being in the front row and Triple H just looking you dead ass in the eyes. He had that look, you know. Um, I'll never forget his match with John Cena. That's a match that sticks out for me personally. Uh, WrestleMania 22. Um, that match, just the crowd was so insane i mean at that at that point in time i never heard a wwe crowd get like that you know what i mean that was like ecw one night stand level you know just the, the way the crowd was just shitting all over cena and then cheering on triple h who was the dastardly bad guy and me as a kid watching that i never seen something like that before at least not to that level I know, like, you can go back and look at, well, Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. You know, Hollywood Hogan, he was supposed to be the bad guy. And he got cheered like crazy. But that's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's Hulk Hogan. Come on. That's a landmark for many a childhoods. But when you're talking about John Cena versus Triple H, Triple H who had the reign of terror, who had his uh, his racist storyline with, with Booker T, not putting him over. At WrestleMania 19, the Katie Vick stuff, I mean, you name it, right? Triple H was a humongous heel. And yet, the crowd was cheering for him and booing Cena out of the fucking building. And Cena had a look of genuine, like, shock on his face at certain chants when they were chanting, Fuck you, Cena. You could see the look on his face like, holy shit, man. <laughs> like, what have I gotten myself into? And and me as a kid watching that, I will never forget it. That's one of the moments that really uh, captivated me, you know, for pro wrestling. It made me love the business even more. The fact that fans have that output to express themselves. And, you know, the wrestlers are making the fans feel a certain way. And in this case, you had the fans also making the wrestlers feel a certain way. As you had John Cena with a look of shock. Then you had Triple H smirking over there. You know, and I, and I remember JR and Jerry the King Lawler like arguing with each other, right? Like um, Jerry the King Lawler was like, oh, Triple H doesn't give two shits what these fans think. In his own words, he didn't say that, but <laughs> in his own words, he's like, I don't think Triple H gives a damn what any of these people think. And JR was like, oh, well, you know, Triple H is only human. He's only human. He's he's going to use this energy or, or something like that. I don't know, but they were going back and forth. And I'm just saying, as a kid, 
this match just captivated me. Everything about it. This whole presentation, their entrances. Man, uh, CM Punk <laughs> was involved in John Cena's entrance as the Italian mobster, right? Hanging off the freaking car. Um, and then, of course, Triple H, man, with his epic Conan the Destroyer-esque type of entrance. The end of an era, man. Triple H versus Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, of course. Um, I'll remember that match forever as well. And Metallica, I think, being in, involved in Triple H's entrance or a vignette or something. Um, I forget the song. Uh, I, I want to say the song was uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, I believe. But uh, yeah, man. Um, Triple H, what can I say, man? You know, he's, he's retiring from the ring. And, and how apropos, how apropos is it that Triple H's last two opponents were uh, Randy Orton and Batista, if I'm not mistaken, right? Those were like his last two opponents, dude. Randy Orton and Batista. His last major opponents that I can recall. Um, that's apropos. That's as poetic as it gets. So, anyway, guys. Let's move on to some other news before we get into the reviews. Shad Gaspard officially set to receive the Warrior Award. WWE has confirmed to Fox Sports that Shad Gaspard will be paid respect as the recipient of the Warrior Award. Now, Shad Gaspard tragically passed away in May 2020 after being caught in a rip current in Venice Beach while saving his son. Yeah, he essentially sacrificed himself so that his son could live absolutely crazy stuff i remember covering that um two years ago on this very pod man i didn't have no music in the background it was just all quiet i was just talking about um shad gaspard and um yeah man um he's a real life superhero for what he did you know what i mean there's just there's no way around it um and his son my goodness man i hope he grows up uh, and becomes half the man his father was. And we'll have another real life superhero in this world. So big ups to Shad Gaspard. I hope JTG is involved in the presentation of this award. Um, in some form or fashion. Even at least if he's on the video screen on the Titan Tron. Talking about Shad you know. There's a lot of history there. Obviously the, <laughs> the crime time uh, tag team from back in the day. So yeah man big ups to Shad. And AEW has filed two very interesting trademarks, guys. One of which relates to their video game department in which they trademarked the name AEW Fight Forever, which to me conclusively uh, is going to be what the long-awaited AEW console game is going to be called, AEW Fight Forever. I, I still think a better name would have been AEW Best in the World with CM Punk on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because I'm a punk mark. What can I say? But also, guys, uh, interestingly enough, AEW has been calling Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly the undisputed elite. Now, that was the de facto name that us marks, including myself, had been calling it. But I guess it is their official name, the undisputed elite. Now, incidentally, I do want to mention, uh, speaking on the video game stuff, WWE and 2K Games appear to be continuing their working relationship as 
per tweets made by the Tuki Tuki 2K staff at WWE headquarters. Um, they did tweet out that their business relationship will continue onward after the WWE 2K22 smash critical success. Um, and what can I say? I mean, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. I have not played the game yet. I've been wanting to buy it, but oh man, I just can't justify spending seventy nine dollars. Um, you know, just for you know, slightly improved gameplay. I mean, the game. I've watched a lot of gameplay footage, um, and the game to me looks the same as uh, as any of the other previous 2K games, sans <laughs> 2K20, of course. But um, I don't know. I might try. I might buy the Xbox One version. You know, and just pay the sixty bucks and play it. But uh, but yeah, I hope that it really is a, a good game. Um, you know if and when i try it and i cannot wait for the aew game that's gonna be sick um you know og ukes are are developing it with the og no mercy creative director um he's going to be involved as well so let's get into the aew dynamite review guys so the AEW Dynamite that took place last Wednesday consisted of an eight-man tornado tag match, which was insane, featuring Sting and Darby, as well as the Hardys versus The Butcher, The Blade, and Private Party. Uh, CM Punk took on Dax Harwood. That was the opening match, which we'll get to in just a second. Clinic. Brian Danielson and John Moxley, easily the hottest tag team on earth right now, squash the Varsity Blondes. John Silver and Alex Reynolds take on Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia. Jay Lethal faces off against Adam Cole Bay Bay. And uh, Jay, uh, Red Velvet, excuse me, Red Velvet and Legit Layla Hirsch go at it again. For whatever reason, MJF cuts a promo. Um, and let's get started with the CM Punk Dax Harwood bout, guys. Um, I'm not going to get into like the savory details here, but this was a clinic in wrestling psychology. Um, I, I I actually commented on, on the subreddit, the AEW subreddit, during the live uh, watch-along of AEW Dynamite. I said, look, look at that. You have the crowd chanting, holy shit. And not a single flip, super kick, or Canadian destroyer. Love to see it. Not that I'm against that that high spot style of wrestling, but it's always also nice to see old school guys like Punk and um, and Dax Harwood here. You know, showcase that you know wrestling could get over just old fashioned wrestling. Not not a lot of gymnastics and you know all that all that crazy stuff that people do nowadays you know what i mean which again not to diss that style of wrestling i just think that style of wrestling is kind of uh oversaturating the market let's just say you know what i mean especially in AEW I do want to mention the Gun Club were at ringside during this match. They uh, provided some shenanigans there. Um, I guess we're going to see a Gun Club FTR feud. And, you know, it appears to me that FTR are kind of, they're shifting toward a babyface uh, disposition, which is interesting to me. Um, I guess that's why they fired Tully Blanchard. That was their uh, proverbial face turn, if you will. So... We'll see what happens uh, in that going forward. Now, the eight-man tornado tag match. My goodness. 
I, I don't I, I mean y'all expect me to talk about this match in depth I'm not <laughs> that that would you know take up the rest of this whole video here um all I'm gonna say is when they fought into the crowd man and they actually went in the backstage area where of course Jeff Hardy like a maniac had to climb up a ladder and then got onto actually the edge of the freaking building and jumped off of course did the swanton bomb blasting uh one of them jabronis through the tables uh darby allen gets thrown off of cement steps rolling down um just that hurt to watch i really like i clenched my booty cheeks watching that. <laughs> um that was that was as cringy as this podcast bro that was i just wow uh, that shit looked like it hurt <laughs> Um, yeah, man, Private Party did a double side effect to Matt Hardy off the stage and threw another table. AEW loves their fucking table spots, man. You know what I mean? They might as well come out with Oprah Winfrey like, you get a table, you get a table, you get a table. We all get fucking tables in this company, okay? Um, Andrade El Idolo, of course, would make an appearance up the crowd, um, causing some shenanigans. But, um, the baby faces would come out with the victory here. John Moxley and Brian Danielson take on the Varsity Blondes. This is a stay busy bout for uh, the hottest tag team in the business right now. I mean, just just come on, man. Tony Khan, I don't know what he's waiting for. I just want to see Moxley and Brian just murder uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy on live TV and just take the titles, man. Just dispose of them. Send them to ROH, bro. I don't care at this point. I mean, Moxley and Brian, these are main event players here in the tag division. And they really have something special here with these cats. Now, they did cut a promo. Um, oh, I, I do want to mention Julie Hart apparently is still having a, an existential crisis, I guess you can say, after the mystical, mystifying black mist of Malachi Black uh, got her in the eyes. And, and now she, she's out there looking like uh, a great value edition Alexa Bliss. <laughs> You know, like a goth chick sitting out there, uh, real dark eyes. She got like dark eye contacts, looking like she, like her pupils are dilated or something. You know what I'm saying? Um, and um, after the match, she actually stayed sitting there on the steel steps throughout the whole promo of what is apparently now known as the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, I guess that is the name of this new faction. Now, that's cool and everything, but I really think they should drop the Blackpool part of that name and just call it the Combat Club. Um, yeah, that's just me. That's just my opinion. But, I mean, they could call this whatever the hell they want to call it. You know what I mean? The, the, the semantics, the name doesn't matter. I just want to see Moxley and Brian beat the brakes off of everybody. Um, so, that's that, guys. Moving on, MJF cuts a wild promo on Wardlow calling him a pig multiple times i mean he he uh really spoke out of pocket <laughs> about wardlow um you know he pretty much proclaimed that he owns wardlow you know what i mean it's a ironclad contract uh wardlow made a deal with the devil not with a pro wrestler not with a pro wrestling company but with the devil himself and, and this is funny because um AEW, they're actually going the, the extra mile here. They actually removed Wardlow from their roster page. <laughs> so, 
they're really supporting this angle and really going the extra mile i i still personally feel like this is a really corny angle to go about it a, a real corny way to go about it um i understand that they need to keep wardlow and mjf tied together still because this is to really build up wardlow and his um well his character arc of of abandoning mjf and the pinnacle and going his own way but you know mjf doesn't have a whole lot going on right now still either so they got to keep them tied together i think there could have been a better way to do that than the you know oh uh you have a contract with me um you know what i mean and wardlow asking oh let me out of my contract like that that's just corny man you know what i mean like you guys are both employed by aew i know mjf said otherwise but none of us even casuals are not gonna buy that you know what i mean even the casual andy over there watching you know what i mean with his little brothers you know they're they're not gonna buy this this whole angle here you know when you have tony khan you know what i mean signing swerve strickland and already teasing a big female signee possibly athena possibly tony storm we'll get to that later but you know signing keith lee and cm punk brian malachi black andrade etc to infinity um you know what i mean it, this this you can't buy this angle like come on man you know what i mean i don't know that's just me but um i am happy nonetheless to see that wardlow is uh really hitting his stride man he's got the facial expression game on point i will say his promo a couple weeks back where he was asking to be released from his pinnacle contract it wasn't nothing to write home about so he still needs a little work you know what i mean but working with mjf that promo game is gonna get upped to the next level I do want to mention in this promo that MJF did claim that his his feud with CM Punk will never be over until Punk is dead and in his grave where MJF will piss on his grave. So <laughs> real 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 serious stuff there and Wardlow would also confront MJF and MJF had a host of security guys uh which of course, you know, Uh, would prevent Wardlow from making any contact we also had a continuation after this promo we also had a continuation of the super best friends falling out a little bit as Wheeler Yuta attempted to join uh the Blackpool Combat Club um he says I'm not trying to be the best friend I can be I'm trying to be the best wrestler I can be this Wheeler Yuta kid he seems like a good guy I think he should go to ROH. You know what I mean? ROH, Tony Khan just bought. They're going to need a lot of supplemental talent. Um, as I believe that Tony Khan bought the company without having any contracts tied to it. Obviously, uh, obviously ROH had released everybody from their uh, contract long before this purchase was made. Subsequent purchase was made. So... I don't want to see Willer Yuta in the Blackpool Combat Club. Um not because I don't think he's good enough to be in it, but just because like I said, I just think he would be a better fit to go to ROH along with along with Trent and the rest of the Super Best Friends, honestly. Orange Cassidy, all of them fools. They should just, you know, hopscotch their way to ROH in my personal opinion. 
Jay Lethal versus Adam Cole. You want to talk about ROH alumni here. This was a barn burner of a match. Um, and, and this wasn't even... Was this the main event? This was not the main event. No, it wasn't. This was, I remember I was like, this should be the main event. This was a, a tremendous match. Jay Lethal, my goodness, man. The, the guy does not age. He still performs like he's in his late 20s. Like, he's a, a stellar performer, man. A legend, a veteran in this business. And um, he did a, a, a great match with Adam with Adam Cole. With Adam Cole. I, I've been saying Adam Page, haven't I? <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, needless to say, I would like to see this match again at some point. I mean, I know these guys for sure have a history together. Most likely both... Uh, Ring of Honor veterans, you know what I mean? Um, Jay Lethal, he was a ride or die for Ring of Honor for the longest time. Um, and I'm hoping he still will be now that TK owns it. Although I, I would like to see Jay Lethal do some more things uh, in AEW before he makes that trek to ROH. Um, clearly, ROH will become AEW's developmental. Um, nonetheless, nonetheless, there was... Um, some shenanigans. Uh, Adam Cole, Red Dragon. They would come out. The Dark Order was nowhere to be seen. Um, so the feud continues. Adam Cole, Adam Page. The Battle of the Adams. Um, who gets to keep uh, the Adam first name? Let's let's make it a Adam on a pole match. You know what I'm saying? Um, instead of the, the Honey Nut Cheerio that dangles over the face of the Ladder Revolution. Have the, the Adam name in signature <laughs> dangle over the i don't know that's that's me trying to be funny right now sammy guevara and ty conti uh cut a promo and it is as cringe as this podcast even more cringier than my podcast that they, they just they have they, they are not likable at all and you know people are barely picking excuse me people are barely picking up on this but i've been saying it for a hot minute now I know my loyal listeners, y'all know. I've been saying that Sammy Guevara is not likable, man. Not ever since the inner circle split, uh, Sammy Guevara, I think a heel turn would do him wonders. Um, because as a face, I don't care how many flips he does. I don't care what he jumps off of. I don't care, uh, you know, his, his I'm crazy gesture. None of that shit is appealing to me. Sammy Guevara has the most punchable face I, I, for me, he has the most punchable face since the actor that played Joffrey Lannister on Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay. Um, and now you have this this uh, dynamic here of Ty Conti and Sammy Guevara officially becoming a thing on AEW TV. I mean, as if we all didn't already know. But, you know, they're officially a thing now on AEW TV. And it makes them even more unlikable. The fact that they were like, you know, crying and shit on social media, you know, telling people to stop hating that or not telling people to stop hating, but that talking about they have so many haters and this and that and oh, we're not going to let the haters get us down and like, like, you know, oh, everyone's in our business and, and they're just being haters like, bro, you guys are putting your business out every week on social media, even before they became a tandem on, on television. They've been like, they're always posting pictures together all lovey-dovey and and you know saying stupid shit and i mean come on man like they're just they, i'm gonna tell you right now sammy guevara and ty conti are more unlikable 
than what Cody and Brandy Rhodes were. I'ma tell you right now, they're even more unlikable than Cody and Brandy Rhodes. And you know what? It looks like pretty much AEW is continuing what they, <laughs> you know what I mean? What they were doing with uh, Brandy Rhodes and Cody, uh, except they're shifting it to Sammy and uh, Ty Conti. So now you have Dan Lambert coming out um, and, you know, absolutely <laughs> destroying uh, Sammy and Ty on the mic. Of course, Sammy would uh, get the better of them by revealing that he jizzed all over the TNT title. Yeah, that's right. On national TV, Sammy revealed that he and, uh, you know, <laughs> he and Ty Conti um, did their activities with the TNT title. And they actually have since tweeted out a freaking picture of both of them butt-ass naked in a motel room on a bed with the TNT strap over uh, Ty Conti with, with Sammy Guevara behind her, all in her ass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, you can use your imagination, but come on, man. We don't need to see all that. And that completely buries the TNT title. Why would anybody want the TNT title knowing that, you know, what's been ha what's been done to that title? <laughs> that does nothing. That does no favors for the TNT title nor the TNT title picture. That does absolutely no favors. Um, I really think... No, no, no. I don't think. I know. You know, normally when I when I talk about stuff on this podcast, I always talk as a just a fan who is just speculating and giving his opinions, um, but not certain of, of anything, just kind of, you know, mulling over ideas. But when I say Ty Conti and Sammy Guevara should be heels, I know it for a fact. These guys, they're not likable at all. This pairing here is not likable at all. Um... That's all I'm going to say about that. So we'll we'll uh we'll see what happens down the line. You know what I mean? Um we'll see what happens. John Silver and Alex Reynolds take on Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia as Jazz, the Jericho Appreciation Society make their in-ring debut. Uh this was the main event and I got to say, you know, on paper this doesn't look like a main event. You, you know, I mean, me seeing this on paper i'd be like come on man john silver and alex reynolds that's not a main event i don't care if jericho is in it either but this match was a main event quality match this was so much fun this was chaos this was uh you know this was just a lot of fun guys and it really tied the whole episode together um and a good rebound after that that really cringe Ty Conti Sammy Guevara promo. Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I wanted to wash my eyes out with bleach after watching that shit. Real talk. I've never used that expression before, but that's the best way I could describe how I felt after watching that promo. Like I wanted to take a shower in bleach and wash my eyes out. Um Yeah, man, um it pretty much I just wanna say that this episode was a, a fun episode. Let's move on to AEW Rampage. Alright y'all, so Rampage from last Friday popped off with Lance Archer, the Murder Hawk Monster, taking on Dustin Rhodes. Um, and I gotta admit, it is kind of awkward seeing Dustin Rhodes, you know, the brother of Cody, uh, on AEW TV, um, in spite of what's going on with Cody Rhodes departing the company and everything. Not that that has anything to do with Dustin, but I'm just saying, you know, you see him, you see the Rhodes last name, and you think... 
Cody leaving AEW supposedly. Um, this match here, these guys have a lot of chemistry, and I reckon that this is going to be a match that continues. Um, Dan Lambert was actually there to support Lance Archer. Um, and, you know, I'm guessing that he's going to take the reins from Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts obviously was the longtime handler for Lance Archer. I know that Jake Roberts would come out with Dan Lambert a little bit. But I've said it before that, in my opinion, it's kind of like too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing. When you got two really good mouthpieces for one man, uh, it just screams unnecessary to me. So I hope that... Uh, Dan Lambert exclusively uh, handles Lance Archer from this point forward. I do want to mention that Lance Archer actually made his entrance uh, apparently carrying a student of the Nightmare Factory. So I guess in spite of Cody Rhodes' departure, the Nightmare Factory is still a thing as well. It's a work, guys. I'm sorry, I cannot get over the Cody leaving AEW stuff. <laughs> that I'm like never gonna stop, you know, talking about that. Um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, Lance Archer came out carrying around a student of the Nightmare Factory. And uh, he was unidentified. I don't believe they said who it was. Um, nonetheless, uh, Dustin actually won the match, much to my surprise, but in the end, Lance Archer would do a post-match beatdown. Um, Dustin Rhodes, he has to blade every time he's out there, he has to blade. I don't know why, but he did. He got a crimson mask, and there you have it. The Dark Order versus Red Dragon. I gotta be honest with you guys. This is a match I don't really remember. So, <laughs> clearly, if I don't remember this match, it was probably not remarkable in any way. But um, I'm pretty sure this was a, a, a vehicle to get Red Dragon get, get Red Dragon going. I'm sure they, they picked up the victory here. I don't remember this match at all, to be quite honest. Um... Nyla Rose takes on Maddie Rankowski. And of course, Nyla Rose uh, beats the brakes off of Maddie Rankowski. And rightfully so. Nyla Rose now getting a push towards being the challenger for Thunder Rosa's Women's Championship. And I can dig that. I mean, you know, who else is there for Thunder Rosa at this point? Nyla Rose, obviously a former champ, so she has that credibility. Uh, Maddie Rankowski, who is that chick? Didn't, didn't she have like... I think she had like some controversy in the past um, and I'm only bringing that up because I'm, I'm trying to remember if this is the the person I'm thinking of that I thought was kind of blacklisted from AEW TV. She, she had made a comment about uh, Bianca Belair's hair being fake, <laughs> which offended a lot of a lot of people, uh, rightfully so. She said, you know, uh my hair is actually real or so, something like, I don't know, something like that. I'm Like I said, I'm, I'm only bringing this up just because I'm not sure uh, who I'm talking about here. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that's her, Maddie Rinkowski. I'm, I'm assuming that's the, the woman that was blacklisted at that point from AEW television. But apparently they're bringing her back, I guess. Um, now, if they could bring her back, I don't see why Tessa Blanchard can't come in. You know what I'm saying? Water under the bridge. Come on, guys. We don't, we don't need to be like Will Smith, man. <laughs> Walking up on people and slapping them around uh, like a girl. Um, anyway, I'm pretty sure uh, Nyla Rose slaps harder than Will Smith. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? He had no juice to that punt, that slap at all. Um, let's move on, guys. Um, QT Marshall would also uh, present an award with uh, to Hook. And Hook, of course, um, didn't acknowledge it. Walks off. Uh, Dan Hawson tries to curse him. I don't. I don't understand his gimmick. To be honest, guys. I mean, call me what you will. I'm. Uh, I'm not one of the cool kids who understands Dan Hawson. Everybody loves that guy. I mean, he looks cool, but I, I. I don't get it. He. But so he does his little curse thing. Hook ignores it and walks off. And there you have it. Created a funny moment for uh, a lot of people. Now, Swerve Strickland versus Ricky Starks for the FTW Championship. Now, I definitely do remember this match. And you know what, guys? For the longest time, I've been, like, kind of talking negatively about Ricky Starks. I don't want to say negatively, but let's just say I never believed in Ricky Starks. And I still don't as far as... <laughs> As far as his charisma, being, I mean, comparing his charisma to The Rock, you know what I mean? If anybody's going to be compared to The Rock, they really need to be a very special, one-of-a-kind type of talent. And I don't see that in Ricky Starks as far as his charisma goes. But this match here, it definitely swayed me uh, a little bit towards the favor of ricky starks as far as performance in the ring he is a damn good performer uh, this was a really good highlight for him he actually won he actually beat uh isaiah swerve scott and uh, uh swerve strickland my bad <laughs> and uh he did so in spectacular fashion this was a phenomenal match i gotta say um yeah and you know it's funny because the ftw championship is not like a it's not an official AEW title belt, but yet is somehow the FTW title to me feels more prestigious than the TNT title. Real talk. And that, that's real talk. I, I really, I mean, especially, like I said, that whole segment with Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti and then them uploading a picture uh, of Ty Conti and Sammy Guevara naked in bed in a hotel room with the TNT title on, on Ty Conti. You know what I mean? With Sammy Guevara all in her ass. I mean, <laughs> that that photo completely buried the TNT title in my mind. Now, to me, the FTW Championship is way more prestigious than the TNT title at this point. I gotta be honest. I, I think at this point, AEW should just, like, implement the FTW title. Make it official. Make it a, an official sanctioned title, a championship that can be contested for in AEW. I really do. I really do. Um, but that's just me. Guys, in the news section, I'm going to break down a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to just randomly read a bunch of articles. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the Will Smith slap heard around the world. It wasn't much of a slap now, was it? <laughs> we'll get into all of that and more. Stay tuned. All right, guys. Before we get to the news and the uh, Will Smith bitch slap heard around the world, um, I do want to mention something about Triple H that I failed to mention in that long tribute slash rant <laughs> that I did there in the opening. Um, it, it, there's no doubt about it. Triple H is going to go down as one of the greatest heels of all time. You know, one of the greatest bad guys of all time. And, and the reason it's important for me to bring this up is because something very special and dear to me 
uh, happened when I was a kid. Um, it's it's and this is gonna be kind of cringy, so cringe alert, guys, for you listeners there. Maybe you want to fast forward <laughs> for a little bit this portion because I'm gonna get a little sappy here. Um, but my mother, who is no longer here, God rest her soul, um, she never cared about pro wrestling. You know what I mean? She never cared about it. And I tried to get her into it. Um, just as I tried to get a lot of people into it. I, I just wanted to share my passion with other people. You know? Um, uh, especially those who are important to me. People that I love. I wanted to share my passion with them. My mom never cared for wrestling. You know, I tried to get her into it. She was indifferent. She did like The Undertaker. Um, she loved his American badass character and all that. That She was cool with that. But besides that, she never really cared for wrestling. I would watch it all the time. We lived in a really cramped up apartment. And and I you know she would she would be she would be around she would walk around a lot in the house and in the apartment and see me watching wrestling she never really cared for it, even though I'd be oh look 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 what's about to happen look at this guy blah 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 whatever so the point is Triple H was the one guy that always got a reaction from my mom again who did not care <laughs> about pro wrestling at all. Like, you know, Triple H, when he'd come out and do that entrance, that famous entrance, you know what I mean? That had kids going out their house just to spit out water. <laughs> um, you know, Triple H, every time he made that entrance, man, and, you know, did his little strut and got on the apron and spit out the water and all that. My mom, she would be like, I can't stand that man. He thinks he's all that. I cannot stand that man. Every time, every time he would come out, every time she's seen him. And and then when he would work, when he would be, be in a match, you know what I mean? She would always be rooting for the guy he's facing. Um, and that would get her into it. And that really touched me as a kid because even as a kid, I realized like, I, I guess I grew an understanding for the business when I was a child because I realized my little my little kid brain. Right. I realized like, wow, you know, Triple H is so good at his job. The fact that he can make my mom who doesn't give a fuck about wrestling, if he could make her like actually get into it, you know what I mean? Like, that's what makes a good wrestler. As a kid, you know, it was like an epiphany. It was like, that's how I that's how I grew to understand the business, I guess you can say. You know what I mean? At, at least a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm no expert by no means, but I'm just saying, like, that was like a revelation to me. That even though it was a negative reaction, the fact that Triple H could command the attention of somebody who doesn't even know what the hell is going on as far as, like, the storylines and... You know what I mean? Like, command the attention of somebody who who has, like, zero interest in in this show, in, in this this uh, simulated fight here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, that was a big epiphany to me as a child. Like, wow, imagine if every wrestler could be like Triple H and get my mom into it, you know? But then I realized not everybody can be like Triple H. Because he is a one-of-a-kind bad guy. He's a guy that you love to hate. One of the greatest heels of all time. And that's the art of professional wrestling right there. It's not even about the moves in the ring. It's not even about the athleticism. The art is that these guys 
can go through that TV screen, the camera, and command your attention, pull you in. You know what I mean? Um, or if you're there live, right? Like just, I don't know, man. It just uh, really touched me. And that, that's a special thing for me to, to rec rec recollect. And that's actually above the Booker T thing and... <laughs> <laughs> and anything I mentioned and all the good things, you know, his his amazing matches, his amazing, you know, his how in a Cell match with Taker, right? End of an era and all that stuff. Like, to me, the most memorable thing about Triple H is him as a bad guy and making my mom react to a show that I'm so passionate about. To a, you know what I mean? A, a hobby, whatever you want to call professional wrestling. I don't want, I don't even want to call it a sport, really. But, you know... Just the fact that he, he got my mom semi-interested is something that I will never forget. So I, I just had to bring that up, man. That's that's something very, very special and dear to me. So let's move on, though. Um, let's move on on a lighter note here. The, <laughs> the Will Smith slap heard around the world. I know this is not wrestling related, but I have to bring it up. This is like... It's like the news story that everybody's talking about, even in the wrestling business. I mean, you got Taz over here tweeting that it was all a work. And then he got, apparently, he got like crazy backlash over that opinion that it's just a work. And he had to issue an apology. I think, I think he shouldn't have done that. Like, why apologize? I mean, we, a lot of people think it was a work. Um, now, I, I don't think it was a work. I think it was legitimate. I think Will Smith was, uh, uh, I, I don't, listen. I think Will Smith, um, he really did slap Chris Rock, and that was not planned, right? That was not rehearsed. That was not talked about. That was not a you know something that they pre-planned uh, ahead of the show. But I will say, I think that was a, an ego boost for Will Smith because it, it is very clear to me that Will Smith and Jada. Um, and pretty much his whole family, to be honest with you. I mean, I like Jaden Smith. I actually, I'm, I'm a fan of his music, believe it or not. But it, it, they do seem like they're very egotistical people. I gotta be honest. And, that, and that's just me as an outsider looking in. But especially on the part of Will and Jada, they seem like very egotistical people. And I think Will Smith was feeding his ego by going out on stage in front of everybody, in front of live cameras, and bitch slapping Chris Rock, which Chris Rock didn't even flinch. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you would think after playing Muhammad Ali back in the day that Will Smith like kind of knows a thing or two about slapping somebody around. <laughs> but uh, little Chris Rock, he, I mean, he ate that slap like you know what I mean, like I eat tacos on a on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, uh, he ate it like nothing. <laughs> He even said, oh, wow, okay, Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me. Um, but, you know, listen, if Will Smith was really upset and really trying to defend his wife's honor, he, he would have checked Chris Rock at the end of the show. He would have waited till the show ended and hit his ass up backstage or in the parking lot. That's how a real man settles business. A real man, first of all, a real man controls his emotions, not act like a female running around and, you know, slapping people. Come on, man. You know what I mean? A real man controls his emotions, has, con has is emotionally intelligent. You know, Will Smith looked like he wanted to cry, man. His eyes were all glassy. 
you know what I mean? After he slapped Chris Rock and then when he started his, his uh, you know, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like he was, he, he looked like he wanted to cry. And that's not what a man does, man. You know, a man controls his emotions um, and, and has emotional intelligence, mental intelligence. And, and you know what I mean? And waits because there's a time and a place for everything. But that right there, that that wasn't even a publicity stunt. That was just him feeding his ego. Because he's seen that Jada Pinkett was mad about the joke. Even though Will Smith laughed about it. Um, and, and then he did what he did. I do want to say, a matter of fact, about Will Smith laughing at the joke though. So many people are talking about that. They're like, dude, Will Smith was laughing at the joke. You know what I mean? So he wasn't really mad. Here's the thing about that. I do want to say in fairness here. Just to play devil's advocate. Some people, believe it or not, and I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Some people, it takes a while for us to process what just happened or what was just said. And Will, you know, in, in his exterior, he could be laughing because he's on autopilot. He's at the Oscars. He's on camera. He's on TV for the world to see. And he knows at that moment, most likely the cameras were panning in on him because the joke related to him and well, to his wife. You know what I'm saying? So it, in his exterior, he was laughing. But internally, he was probably processing the information like, wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. Does this motherfucker realize like my wife has a skin condition? You know what I mean? That's why she's bald head. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And then, of course, he looks over at Jada and she's like rolling her eyes or whatever. And then he he connects the dots like fucking hell, man. Now I got to I got to do something now. You see what I'm saying? So I'm just saying I'm just saying it's possible that he was laughing because he was just on autopilot while he was processing what was said. I do it all the time. I do it all the time myself. Um, And then I and then I end up beating myself up for it because then later I'm like, did I really let that motherfucker make that comment? And I just like laughed with him. Like, dude, I'm, I'm being a pushover here because I'm over here processing what someone said. I'm kind of slow. You know what I mean? I mean, if you guys haven't figured it out, <laughs> hearing me rant and rave and ramble, um, I'm a little bit slow. So sometimes when someone tells me something, I'm actually processing what they what they said. And then like, you know, five minutes later or whatever, after after it's been said and done already, then I realize like this motherfucker just kind of low key dissed me and I laughed about it and went along with it like a pushover, like a little bitch boy and didn't do nothing or, or say anything. You know what I mean? That happens a lot, actually, more than I'd like to admit. Kind of, kind of embarrassed, kind of ashamed to even admit that on this podcast. But anyway, just making a point there on the part of Will Smith. He could have been processing the info. But either way, either way, what he did was wrong. And I support Chris Rock well, without a shadow of a doubt. There's a time and a place for everything. You don't do that shit at a ceremony. And I mean, whatever. I mean, the Oscars, I, I can give two green shits out of a baby's ass less about the Oscars. But I'm just saying... I'm just saying, there, there's a time and a place for everything. That was not the time, nor the place. Um, and, and you know, you don't you don't hit somebody because of a dumbass joke. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? He said Jada Pinkett Smith, G.I. Jane 2. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it like that. First of all, the joke was bad, and I mean bad as in like it really wasn't that funny. 
not bad as an offensive. It was not an offensive joke. I mean, if anything, you could consider that a compliment because G.I. Jane, she's like a military chick. She's badass, right? Some guys think she's hot. I, I don't, I never found that actress attractive, me personally, but I'm just saying it could be considered a compliment in that respect. Uh, clearly, uh, <laughs> Jada um, and Will did not see it as a compliment. <laughs> Quite the opposite. But um, anyway, anyway, let's move on now to some news pieces, guys. I'm on Fightful Select. And um, it is March 30th, 2022. And I am reading uh random articles so let's go ahead tony khan says anthony bowens has been sidelined with a knee injury he would reveal on busted open radio that anthony bowens bowens has not performed in the ring for the last couple of weeks or so because of a knee injury he has not been cleared yet but he has been ringside of course for max caster John Morrison says WWE is really hell-bent on protecting officials that no one official should have all the power in that company, okay? Um, I'm pretty sure Vince McMahon has all the power, though. Um, but Nick Khan, man, he's, he's coming through. I don't know. Let's see. Matt Hardy says Michael Hayes pitched a cinematic match for the Hardy Boys versus edge and christian you know that's actually something that could have been kind of cool when i actually think about it a cinematic match between the hardys and edge and christian because you know they could have done a you know hardy likes jumping off of shit and edge and christian together they're just so creative in the things they come up with so just imagine in a cinematic match where they can actually take their time and come up with things before they even start filming you know what I mean? Like that's that could have been that could have been cool. I gotta be honest. And I'm not big on cinematic matches by any means, but that one could have been cool. Paul Heyman says, I have no problem praising AEW because they are a long way from WWE's success. Okay. Uh Sami Zayn says the possibility of El Generico coming to WWE is... What does he say? Let's read this article, guys. Before he was Sami Zayn and feuding with Johnny Knoxville, <laughs> Jesus Christ, going into WrestleMania, Zayn built his name on the independent scene as El Generico. I remember that. ROH alumni. While most acknowledge El Generico has been disavowed, rumors of his return are pers persistent as fans reflect fondly on their memories. And Zane just says, uh, people have fondness for the past. Some fans and I take this as a positive because they have a lot of fondness towards my good guy days in NXT. There is a kinship there, and they felt a connection to that character. Uh, wait a minute. Was Sami Zayn El Generico in NXT? I don't think so. What does what is, what is his character in NXT have to do with El Generico? Uh, 
let's see let me skip to the end of this quote everything is a product of time and place sometimes you have to look at things that existed in that time and place and appreciate them for what they were and kind of wish that they wouldn't come back because if they did come back it wouldn't be the same nothing is the same it's all a product of when and where it existed i i actually agree with that yeah i i actually totally agree with that it's kind of like a good example of what he said is kind of like the attitude era like everybody praises the attitude era right and wants it to come back people want the attitude era to come back in in 2022 but guess what it, it's impossible because the sh the kind of shit they did during the attitude era would not fly today <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? The Attitude Era was indeed a product of its time and its place. And that's everything. You know what I mean? Everything is a product of its time. Bottom line. Bandido says Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor was a surprise to him. He has not spoken with him about signing. If Tony Khan, you know what I mean, signs Bobby Fish... <laughs> <laughs> I always use him as an example. <laughs> but if he buys if he if he signs Bobby Fish and and uh Kyle O'Reilly, you know what I'm saying? Jonathan uh not uh what's his name? Whatever, man. All these all these jabronis, but he ain't gonna sign Bandido. Come on, man. Tony Khan better sign Bandido. That's a that's a ROH former champ. How how is Bandido not gonna be signed? You feel me? They he better. Let's see, uh, Davey Richards will be in action at MLW Azteca Underground. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised, I guess, that MLW Azteca is still a thing. Azteca Underground. Uh, let's change pages now, guys. Let's see. John Cena misses being a full-time performer thinks being full-time would hit diminishing returns okay i gotta read this article let me see fans haven't seen john cena on wwe tv since SummerSlam 2021 when he lost to roman reigns in the main event Cena returned in the summer of 2021 for the summer of Cena and was present for the majority of TV tapings and live events. Cena has missed WrestleMania in recent years and is not currently part of the WrestleMania 38 lineup. He hasn't been a full-time performer since 2017, but he does miss life on the road. John Cena says, quote-unquote, I miss it every day, every single day. This was with GQ Magazine UK. He would, he would continue, I'll be 45 on April 23rd, and I was very fortunate to make it as long as I did with only a minor list of injuries. Nothing that has changed the trajectory, nothing that has changed the trajectory of my long-term health. I'm strong, flexible, and in really good shape externally. Internally, I think now being a full-time touring performer might start to hit that point of diminishing returns, and I have to be realistic when I look at that. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, uh, John Cena, he's the peacemaker now. Um, he's kind of following in The Rock's roadmap that The Rock, you know, laid the foundation for of going from WWE to Hollywood, making that big transition and becoming a crossover star. Uh, I mean, Cena definitely has. I, if, I mean, if I was in Cena's shoes, I would do it too, is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? He has that crossover potential. 
Um, I, actually, and I don't think anybody in WWE right now has that same potential. Not even Roman Reigns. I really don't. Um, but that's just me. You know, John Cena. Guys like Cena and The Rock, they just have a certain charisma. Um, it, it, I don't know. It's it's just different, man. It's, it's just different. Seth Rollins says, I find the way AEW wrestlers mentioning WWE on TV to be tacky. It reeks of desperation. Okay, well, I could definitely understand that take. I mean, it, it is, uh, it does happen a little too common, a little too frequently, you know what I mean? But, um, I gotta be honest though, a lot of the times what, what, what wrestlers say about WWE, they ain't lying. <laughs> They're not wrong. You know what I mean? Stupid ideas from bad creative and, you know, changing people's names around. And I mean, the stuff that AEW guys have said about WWE is 100% facts. That's not desperation. That's just speaking the truth. But I, I will concede it is it is kind of tacky though it is to you know for AEW guys to even plug WWE on TV. But listen, guys, this is not WCW versus WWE. Like WWE is a household name; it's an iconic brand. Everybody knows WWE. There's like in a sense, there's no way to not mention the WWE if you're in the wrestling business. I'll use the same analogy that I used before. It's like if a brand new baseball league were to form, right? Let's call it, uh, uh, you know, Extreme uh, Baseball League, right? <laughs> XBL, let's say. The XBL forms an Extreme Baseball League. They're going to mention MLB. They're going to mention them because it's impossible not to. When MLB has been doing it for many, many, many years... They have their household established brand in that space, right? In the baseball world. So, of course, a new league would mention MLB. It's the same thing in professional wrestling. Of course, AEW guys are going to mention WWE every so often. WWE is a household name. It's not desperation either. They're, they're speaking facts <laughs> every time they, uh, they plug WWE, even though it is tacky. Uh, let's see. James Storm says Road Dog and Paul Heyman tried to get him back in WWE in 2020. John Morrison versus Taya Valkyrie has been added to WrestleCon Super Show. What? This is an intergender matchup between a, a husband and wife. Uh, let's see. A disagreement will be settled. WrestleCon announced that John Morrison will take on Taya Valkyrie at WrestleCon Super Show on March 31st. The married couple previously battled in a loser does dishes for a year match <laughs> at NHW. Okay. <laughs> I gotta YouTube that. That's funny. Um... Oh, wow. You know what? This uh, WrestleCon Super Show card is pretty stacked, guys. WrestleCon Super Show going down March 31st. We got the Dirty Dishes match <laughs> between husband and real life, husband and wife, John Morrison uh, and Taya Valkyrie going at it. Minoru Suzuki takes on Biff Busick. The Briscoe Brothers take on the Rottweilers, Loki and Homicide. Bandido takes on Speedball, Mike Bailey. Now, that's a match I have some personal interest in because, for one, it's Bandido. But for two, 
I've heard a lot, a lot of stuff about Mike Bailey that he's like the Rey Mysterio of this generation. That he is an amazing uh, wrestler, speedball, amazing performer. So I do want to see that. Tomohiro Ishii takes on Timothy Thatcher. Mia Yim takes on Athena, formerly known as Ember Moon. Josh Alexander, Black Taurus, and Ace Austin versus Michael Oku, Ray Horace, and Loretto Kid. Uh, yeah, wow. This is a stacked ass card. Holy shit. And fans in attendance at the Super Show will have the opportunity to vote on the best match with the winning bout earning a $5,000 bonus. Holy shit. Wow. You know, that's something that should be done more often in wrestling. Like, that would be really cool. That's a cool concept. The fans vote on which match was the best and they get a bonus like that. That would really push the wrestlers to go above and beyond. Um, which is, I mean, great for our entertainment, at least. That is awesome. That is really, really cool. Buff Bagwell is set for action at Joey Janela Spring Break 6 Part 2. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. WWE bringing in Shane McMahon for WrestleMania weekend. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now. Everybody thinks Seth Rollins' opponent is going to be Cody Rhodes. I really think it's going to be Shane McMahon, bro. I really do. I think that when Seth Rollins is in that ring, everybody's going to expect Cody Rhodes' music to hit. Whether they use whatever theme song. Who knows what they would use for Cody if he does come in. But once... Here comes the money. Once that hits and Shane comes out, can you imagine the heat Shane McMahon would get? Like, that would be... I mean, I would pop. I would mark out for that, honestly. That would pop me um, just to see the heat, the, the nuclear heat Shane McMahon would get when everybody's expecting someone else. You know what I mean? Um, I think that would be perfect. But I don't know if that could work because I... I don't... Is Seth Rollins even a babyface right now? Or is, I don't know what he is. Um... So, that's, that's, I mean, that shows my ignorance to a, a WWE's current product. But I really think, uh, take it or leave it, that's my opinion. I think Shane McMahon is going to be Seth Rollins' opponent at WrestleMania. WWE files to trademark Alton Prince and Kit Wilson. Okay. Kurt Angle talks Undertaker and Steve Austin. WWE's brand success. Becky Lynch says, I'm having more fun and I think I'm doing the best work of my career. <laughs> uh... WWE WrestleMania 38 has been projected to bring in $200 million economic boost to Dallas Fort Worth area. That is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy right there. That's one thing um you know, WrestleMania is it, it pretty much no matter how terrible it might be these days, it's still uh I mean, it's the Super Bowl of wrestling, you know what I mean? I don't I don't think anybody can deny that at this point. It's the Super Bowl, it's the World Cup of wrestling pretty much. Thank you. 
the Hardy Boys set to make AAA tag debut at Triple Mania 30, Tijuana. <laughs> They're going to face Dragon Lee and Dralistico. Okay. Mikey Ruckus recounts last-minute changes for AEW Halloween and Dinner de Bonaire music. Uh, let's see. I hope you guys are doing fantastic. I hope you guys are uh, all doing wonderful going into April. Brand new month. I'm telling you, man, these years have been flying by like OG Clark Kent. Kevin Owens played the long game in asking Steve Austin to use the stunner. Jeff Jarrett says, you will see the last outlaw in the ring again in 2022. <laughs> yeah, okay, Jarrett. Yeah, we're we're uh, uh we're gonna be waiting on that, Jerry. We're we're all an with anticipating with amazing excitement and yeah. WWE signs over trademarks to two former superstars. Interesting. Pat McAfee discusses creative freedom that he has in WWE. Pat McAfee is really good, guys. I gotta be honest. Like, I don't, I don't really watch WWE anymore, but the little bit that I've seen of of SmackDown and hearing Pat on commentary when I, when I watch the Royal Rumble, um, and and even before that, I've heard him on commentary. He does a great job. He like he uh, he sounds genuinely excited and interested in his commentary. Unlike all the other commentators who sound very robotic. Very like factory produced cookie cutter style of commentary where their reactions sound the same to everything. You know what I mean? Um, like Pat McAfee, his his reactions and his enthusiasm, it just seems very organic. You know what I mean? It seems very authentic, let's say. Not a whole lot of news, guys. Not a whole lot of news. Let's go to let's go to Pro Wrestling Inc. Let's see what kind of stories they're writing over here. Let's see. Pro Wrestling Inc. Dolph Ziggler has long-term plans for WWE NXT. I cannot believe Dolph Ziggler is the NXT champ in 2022. That is crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. WWE offering limited cameo requests for WrestleMania 38 week. Mick Foley says anything could happen with Scott Steiner holding a live mic at the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. Okay, so that's actually a, a good story I forgot to mention as well. Guys, Scott Steiner is officially going into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2022, along with the headliner, most likely, uh, most definitely, The Undertaker, rightfully so, Queen Charmel. 
Queen Charmel is also getting her spot in the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, man, Scott Steiner, though, that's one I thought I'd never see because he has specifically, like, talked shit about WWE's Hall of Fame, saying it doesn't have any credibility and this and that. It's bullshit. And, well, now he's going in. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of people say that. Some smarks out there, they're like, oh, yeah, the WWE Hall of Fame, it's it's just a show, nothing more. There's nothing to it. But I, I disagree with that. I think that... Even the wrestlers themselves would disagree with that because it gives them an opportunity to give thanks and appreciation and get a moment of feeling that the appreciation from the fans and from their peers, a level of respect that they deserve. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be honored for a night, whether it's, yeah, they sell tickets to the event and there isn't a, a physical Hall of Fame. I get that. But it is a night where these guys feel the adoration and the respect and the honor that they rightfully deserve. And I'm sure that they, they value it in that way. You know what I mean? Um, whether there's a physical Hall of Fame or not, they actually do get a plaque. They get a Hall of Fame plaque. They get a Hall of Fame ring. Booker T has like two of them. So yeah man it is very prestigious and it's very special to these guys you know you anybody you could say what you want about the hall of fame you know what i mean it's it's a joke it's not legitimate blah 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 but to those guys that go up on that stage and and accept the honor and they see the the video package played for them you know like walking them back through their whole careers and everything they accomplished um, like like Scott Steiner for an example He talked all the shit he wanted about the Hall of Fame But watch When when he actually goes up on that stage You know after they play that long Dramatic video package of him And the Steiner bros doing their thing Man it's gonna take him back Through memory lane He's gonna get emotional I promise you I'd be willing to bet money He's gonna get emotional man And when he gives his speech He's gonna, he's gonna probably get choked up too It's a very special night where they, they feel the adoration and the respect, not just from the fans, but from their peers. You know what I mean? You have all the wrestlers sitting there in the audience. It's a very special moment, man. Um, now, yeah, but Scott Steiner with a live mic, it is definitely a terrifying prospect. <laughs> I don't think... Uh, I don't think Scott Steiner is as volatile as as Will Smith is apparently. Um I don't think, you know, we'll be getting any slaps heard, heard around the world at the Hall of Fame ceremony, although that would be hilarious. You know what I mean? As they could recreate that some way somehow. Um but you know what I mean? Scott Steiner if if he were to slap somebody, if if Scott Steiner would have slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> Chris Rock would have flew off the stage, bro. Okay, I don't know, Will Smith, I, I thought he would have learned something from the Muhammad Ali movie he did back in like 2001 or whatever, but damn, that slap had no steam to it at all. It had no juice behind it. Um, anyway, so big ups to the Steiner bros um, and Queen Charmel as well as The Undertaker. I wonder. I guess Vince McMahon is a, uh, is inducting the Undertaker, but I would like. I would have loved to seen Teddy Long come out <laughs> and uh, the Hall of Fame uh, class of 2022 is going one on one with the Undertaker. And Undertaker comes out. <laughs> OG SmackDown 2006. 
2007. Uh, let's see. WWE reportedly returning to Saudi Arabia for TLC. Okay. WWE reportedly bringing Shane McMahon to... Yeah, we talked about that. AEW reportedly interested in former WWE superstars who are now free agents. Huh. AEW officials reportedly have significant interest in signing Storm. According to Fightful Select, the interest is so strong that several talents outright expect Storm to join the company sooner than later. Hell, she might be the uh, the the surprise um, debut tonight on AEW Dynamite that goes down tonight. Um, facing off against the Bunny for the Owen Hart tournament qualification. Uh, let's see. Storm requested her WWE release in late December, and it was granted. It's believed that she just became a free agent as her 90-day non-compete clause expired today. Storm recently launched an OnlyFans account, but there is no word on what she has planned for her pro wrestling future. A, her OnlyFans account, literally in like like two hours that it, it went live, she made like $10,000, bro. And in, in, in two hours that her OnlyFans account went live, she made ten thousand fucking dollars, man. My goodness. <laughs> hey, I can't I can't hate on her. I can't hate on her. Get it while the getting is good. You feel me? That is amazing. Um, as well as Athena, formerly known as Ember Moon. I mean, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Athena didn't start no OnlyFans account. I don't know if anybody would pay for that. Nah, I'm just playing. That's messed up. Um, hopefully, uh, Athena's husband don't come and slap me for making a joke. Nah, but Athena is also said to be uh, very much so in the interest of AEW. It was noted that there have been at least light talks engaging interest between Athena and AEW those close to the situation note that there was a feeling out process between Athena and AEW going back to not long after she was released from her WWE contract on November 4th uh, she became a free agent in early February when her 90-day non-compete clause expired there's no word on if AEW will bring Athena in, but company sources claim there does not seem to be a sense of urgency to lock her down to a contract. Other promoters report that Athena is being very selective in her indie bookings. So I guess it's pretty much settled, guys. Tonight's surprise uh, opponent for the Bunny in qualification to the Owen Hart Cup tournament. It's going to be either Storm or Wrestling Goddess Athena. And I'm here for it, Daddy. Um, I'm ready to see either one of the two. They're both uh, very good workers, very good performers. Um, and AEW's women's division definitely needs a stimulus package, let's just say. You know what I'm saying? It needs a stimulus check, man. Um, yeah, that, that, that would be great. That would be great. Alright guys, so before I close out this episode of the Highlight Reel, I do want to mention a piece of news that's been making the rounds that apparently um, Tony Khan and MJF have, have gotten into a heated 
like conversation i guess they got into it backstage and this is regarding mjf's interview with ariel hawani um which i have not seen as of yet i'm probably gonna uh, have a gander at that after this this uh, episode but um yeah so mjf he's been teasing for quite a while that his contract does expire in like 2024 i believe like literally like the first day of the year like january 1st 2024 mjf's contract expires um and he's been teasing a lot that he he's he's not loyal to aew that he'll go anywhere wherever the money is even if it's mlw that were to offer him a, a return contract like you know that, that's not gonna happen but i'm just saying basically the innuendo is that mjf is down to go to wwe he's down you know what i mean he ain't he ain't an aew lifer he ain't an aew loyal he will go to wwe if they offer him um a big big money deal and uh so i'm assuming i'm under the impression that that's what his interview with ariel hawani that's probably why tony khan got heated again i'm kind of out of the loop on this one guys but i'm just gonna say right now mjf is not going to wwe i'm gonna just say it i don't i highly doubt it i know i i sound like a broken record because i say the same thing about cody rhodes in <laughs> the big speculation of him going there i'll believe it when i see it like i said i haven't seen cody on raw or smackdown or anything yet if he shows up at wrestlemania okay i'll eat crow i'll believe it when i see it but in the case of mjf the problem with mjf unlike cody is that mjf his promos are uh what's the word i'm looking for there i mean amazing uh, what is is a word but they're um they're just not compatible in any way whatsoever with wwe style promos you feel me mjf if he were to go to wwe he would have absolute no freedom over his promos over his his uh he would even he wouldn't even be able to come up with his own bullet points. I don't think you know what I mean. I would I mean it would just he would be completely WWE manufactured. And MJF does not strike me as the kind of guy who can succeed in an environment where he's being fed what to say. Because let's face it, uh, MJF he he's he's all promo. You know what I mean. His wrestling is good. He is a good wrestler. He's proven that. His match with Darby Allen that was amazing. But his promos are really what's getting him over, not his wrestling. He's not known to be a, a world-class wrestler. He's a world-class promo. And for him to be in an environment where he is unable to showcase that world-class promo that he can cut because he's not compatible with the certain company, i.e. WWE, there's no way he could make it in an environment like that. He just can't. You know what I mean? It's just not, it's not going to work. And, and MJF is a smart man. He knows that. You know what I mean? What, what, what good is the money if they're going to devalue him to the point where he will never be worth that type of money again, whatever it is that they offer him. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Because, you know, WWE can offer it, throw a bunch of money at him. But once he, he gets devalued on TV, uh, creatively shackled, um then by the time they spit him out like everyone else that they do he's gonna be devalued 
MJF, he, he's a smart guy, man. He knows this. Now, with that being said, I do want to say everybody has a right to do what's best for them. You know, whatever career option they think is better for them, that's what they should do. And I would not fault MJF if he went to WWE. Uh, but I highly doubt for sure that he would go because he wouldn't fit in. Like even Cody going to WWE is actually more plausible to me because Cody at least he's compatible with WWE and their promo style. He's 100% compatible. I mean, come on, they he they taught him everything he knows. You know what I mean? Um while while them and Dusty. But um yeah, so Cody's compatible. MJF is not compatible with WWE style of writing, their promos, their their bullet points that they give these guys to to plug. The, is there's no compatibility. So MJF, I don't. I, if anything, they would probably make him a manager too. I don't even think he would be able to wrestle in WWE. They would do what they try to do with Adam Cole, what they try to do with Leo Rush. They would make them managers. Um, which is, come on, man, you know, it's just not what you want to see. So that's my opinion on that. But anyway, I want to thank you very much for joining me on this episode of THR dynamite goes down tonight. Y'all, I will be watching in full effect and I will come back to talk about it when I can. Uh, don't forget to tip your waitresses. Uh, please tip your Lyft drivers. Um, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Thank you. Time to play the game! <laughs> it's all about the game, and I play it all about control. And if you can take it, all about your death. And if you can play it, it's all about pain. And who's gonna make it? I am the game, you don't wanna play me I am control, no way you can shake me I am heavy debt, no way you can pay me I am the pain, and I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder, ready to run Like a Cleveland bitch from a smoking gun I am the game, and I make rules So move on out, you can die like a fool Try to figure out what my mood's gonna be Come on over, circle, why don't you ask me? Don't you forget there's a price you can pay Cause I am the game and I want to play Play it.